Hey, Pep Talks listeners. In today's episode, we'll chat with veteran CMO, Laura Dowling of direct-to-consumer brand Distilled. Hear from Laura on why she was pleasantly surprised with affiliate and why she views this channel as turnkey. And joining us is Laura Dowling. She's the Chief Marketing Officer at Digital Brands Group, which is the parent company to Distilled Jeans, which we're going to talk about today. So welcome. It's so nice to have you, Laura. Hi. I'm glad to be here, as you can hear. Great. We're also here with... (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> We're also here with Pepper Jam CMO, Mara Smith. Yeah. Don't forget about me. Hi, Mara. I would never forget about you. <laughs> Hello. Happy to have you here, Laura. Thanks. All right. So, Laura, to, to kick things off, we just want you to share a little bit of your marketing background and how that brought you to Distilled. Sure. No problem. Happy to share. So, most recently, I'd probably say it's almost been a year now, I left Coach. I was the head of, I was vice president of North America Marketing and PR at Coach. And North America, just to give you context, is about, you know, 70% of Coach's business. So, it's, it's a pretty big lion's share. I did everything from retail stores. There's 200 retail stores. There's 200 outlet stores, e-com, and wholesale. So, I kind of dovetailed across all of those platforms and I had a a pretty big team there. Um, Before I was there, I was at Harry Winston. I was at Harry Winston for five years. I was there before the acquisition. I was recruited in by the CEO, who Frederick Trenarp, who came from Cartier and saw through the acquisition you know, stayed there for a little while because I knew at Harry Winston, I was specifically there to get more of the clienteling and the high end. And when I moved on to coach, I was really looking for the scale. Prior to that, I was at Ralph Lauren, where I was the head director of wholesale marketing um, cross-divisional initiatives, which is Pink Pony, um, Olympics, anything holiday that touched all sectors of business. So it went all the way from children's wear, home, kids, men's, women's, all different color labels, blue, black, purple, you know, because there's many levels, um, when it was one of those larger initiatives. So, and prior to that, I was at Bulgari, Links of London, David German, et cetera. So, I mean, I would say, if anything, I have a very strong, big stronghold on American brands. <laughs> so, I would say so. Yes, fancy yes. pants, too, I think. <laughs> fancy <laughs> pants, yes. I love my Fifth Avenue, my Madison, and my Rodeo. Um, but yes, I definitely, every time I made a move in my career, which I would say, and I say to um, a couple different people that I mentor, I knew specifically when I was going to leave one job for the next, it was, I was looking for something that I needed in my toolkit, right? I knew, like, I had basically had a lot of Fifth That's Avenue, expe- exactly. I had had a lot of jewelry experience. I went to Ralph Lauren because I was like, I need ready to wear. I need footwear. I need other things that are going to make me a more marketable candidate. And then, you know, being at Harry Winston, I had the high end, which is great. And all of, you know, all those people looking up to you. But then I was like, I need scale. The next brand has got to be about scale and has to have digital. Like I outlined that specifically every time I went out looking for the next move I was going to make in my career. Because A, I needed something that was mentally challenging for me. And B, you know, two, it just gives me a better background. Right. You have a very impressive background. Uh, so thanks for walking us through that. How did you end up at Distilled? Or maybe so you want to talk a little bit about uh, how you came to be a yeah. digital brands group. Yeah, like you knew you wanted okay. scale, but what said Distilled, scale. we'll okay. do that. Yeah. Okay, so I, you know, I turned to magical age and I was like, okay, it's time for me to come out. <laughs> and I'm not telling you what age that is, but it's not 22. 
Okay. So anyways, I I decided (laughs) I was going to make a change. Right. So when I left coach, I was like, you know, a lot of, a lot of the pressures and I'm really honest and I'm honest when I'm talking to investors and different people about coaches, like what really was bothering was, was getting to me was my marketing budget was really used to fix problems. We bought too much here. We did too much there. Laura, we need money here. Laura, we need money there. And which is, yes, I'm there to help. I'm here to bring your businesses forward. But at the same time, if I'm bifurcating my spend that much, I'm not holistically looking at things and moving something forward. So I knew that like, I didn't want to be at a place where I was exactly the, where I was like splitting all my dollars up. And also when I was out there and I was competing for digital dollars with like all birds and all of these different direct consumer brands, I was like, that's where the hotness is. No one wants like my one size fits all thing, right? Warby Parker, Bonobos, like all these other cooler brands are coming up. And I was like, well, where am I missing the mark? So I started to, I went, when I left, I made a list of private equity firms and I went to them and I said, look, I can be CMO um, for one of your brands or across a portfolio of brands, or I could tell you where the bodies are buried because I've done it myself. Right. And they were like, we're not set up that way. That's like an LVMH type model. You know, sometimes we do a CFO and we place them in because we want to do an uplist. And I said, well, you really should think about that because marketing to me is really the stronghold. And that's where the industry is trending. Right. That's what's really. Well, and especially for D to C brands. Exactly. Because there's just so many different options out there. And that's the only way you're going to get your brand out there is really putting a lot behind the marketing, especially for D to C brands. Exactly. So I was out there looking and one of, this is funny, one of my friends actually got a call from Digital Brands Group slash Distilled and her and I met for coffee and she was like, oh, I got a call from this company that's exactly what you've been talking about, except they're located in LA. And I was like, give me your phone. I need to read that description. I was like, (laughs) (laughs) I was like, you're right. Oh my God. Pack a bag. And yeah. So then I called the recruiter and I was like, you found your girl. Like, I'm going to close this. I, it was a Friday night. I'll never forget it. I was at the Odeon downtown in Tribeca. I stepped out of dinner and I said, Nicole Marshall, I'm your girl. We're done. Like, you don't need to search any further. Get me on the plane. Trust me. I got this. <laughs> and I did. Right, he trusted you. <laughs> and here you are. And here I am. So, so yeah, go ahead. I, you, when you're ta- we're talking about budgets and, and splitting money and, and doing all of these, thinking, thinking about how we're going to do this and the competitors in the space and who sort of has the magic formula when it comes to how to spend marketing dollars. When you got to Distilled, was it the same environment as it was when you were at, say, Co Cherry Winston, where you were coming from? Did, did it look the same? Oh, did, no. Or were you not like, a- wow, we got to shake this up? <laughs> no, not at all. I mean, it's a startup environment. It's completely different, right? <laughs> I, mean, yeah. I mean, I'm coming from like corporate USA, New York City headquarters, right? <laughs> the way that we operate and a startup is vastly different just in even the demeanor and that's fine I wanted that I also knew giving myself a pep talk like it's I knew I was walking into waters that I had not been in you know so I mean it and it's not all about me I wanted that that change and I wanted that difference like so I needed to learn from them as much as they were going to learn from me you know did you know their strategies going in? Like when you got there, like, cause basically just getting me on a plane, I'm packing a bag and I'm there. <laughs> yeah. Did you know what, what you already wanted to do a little bit? Like, did you just research and do oh, your homework oh, so yeah. much that you were like, I, this is missing? I was ready to go. I mean, I was ready to, I mean, you know, when you walk in as a CMO and I'm Mara, I'm sure you can answer this too. Like you've got to be, you want to give in the interview, you want to even give little inklings of like strategies and things that you've holes in their strategy that you've noticed 
you know, even when you go in and you interview. So I even had that in the interview totally. process. And I'm sure, you know, people a lot of times even ask you to give more than that. Like they want you to put some real work behind it, but that's another show in itself. But what I'm talking about here is like, they, I definitely knew in the interview, I gave them some inklings of holes in their strategy that I saw. But you know, what I really loved about them too, and I think why we connected is they were very transparent. They were like, look, and you guys probably know this too, from a lot of the direct to consumer brands that you speak to, they said, Hey, we started this brand. We didn't have a dime. Right. And we started to make money. And so we started hiring people, but we're not, we're not HR people. We love product. We love denim. We love like Corey. He loves technology. You know what I mean? Like building the team wasn't exactly, and they were very clear with me. They said, we like these people, but they may, they may be the right people, wrong time. I mean, a lot of, when I've, I've been on a lot of panels and I've gone to a lot of discussions and I'm sure you guys know this too. A lot of people say like who you start the company with isn't always who's going to get you to the next level. Right. Um, Right. Some people can scale. Some people cannot. Some people are right, but maybe they need to be in a different role. You know, so when I went in there, it was really like I did have some ideas on their strategy, but I really wanted to sit down with each member of the team and kind of say, okay, like, what do you find the good, the bad, the ugly? Like, how can we kind of set this up so it's more effective? Because a lot of times what happens as a startup is you're just running. You're running and gunning. You're trying to get this done. This is the only thing that matters. You know what I mean? There's not as much process in there, which I'm sure you both can attest to. They're just, you know, I knew, and I knew in my interview, like I asked them, like I could hear process, a process and like some sort of structure was definitely stated from everyone from the founders to some of the most junior people or new people on the team. So I knew that like I wanted to do an audit and understand everybody's strengths and areas of of improvement, et cetera. But I wanted to figure out, okay, how do I kind of create a process that isn't like coach where it's like it could be so mirrored down in the approvals and the alignments you need, but that there is something where a checks and balances where everyone gets a chance to talk and also to moves projects forwards in, in a more timely manner. I mean, that's really what I said to them at the end of the day was like, I want to institute a couple of these things and I want to be open with all of you that you need to help me too and make sure that this works. But it, you know, the goal is really to be more, to make more of an effective use of your time. Right. So you entered distilled and you're basically driving the race car down the track yeah. and changing the, the tires at the same yes, time. Totally. Right. <laughs> yes. That's a great visual. <laughs> so let, let's take a minute. Why don't you give us the the elevator pitch for Distilled so that our listeners are familiar? I mean, it's it's premium denim, luxury essentials, but tell us a little bit about the brand story so that they have an understanding of what type of direct-to-consumer brand this is and, and what the value is. So what I can say is we, we are really elevated, effortless essentials. Um, our head of design really takes each piece and looks at the functionality. Most designers, what I can say what's different about us is we really design around function. Majority of designers, like, you know, if you think about some of the greats like Alexander McQueen or Karl Lagerfeld, right, they're designing and they want to create something different and they're thinking about the beauty. Functionality is not yeah. necessarily part of what's in their creative brief, for lack of a better word. Always form over function, right? Right. Always form over function. Here, function is first. And then we really work on making it extremely more beautiful and more streamlined. You know, we take we pay attention to those small details like the shirt trim, the denim stitching, you know, if we're gonna maybe we have gray stitching, you know, instead of the orange instead of the um, timber stitching. We think about the width of the silhouette, you know, for the tops, whether they're like 
wider on the top for women or it's more of a straight. We really take like a simplistic view at design that's more architecturally and led by lines. And, you know, even in the name itself, distilled, we're really distilling down to the essentials and upgrading the quality to cultivate consistency and longevity in your closet. We're really giving you those true quality pieces. So you don't need to be buying a million different things. You could take those core essential pieces and pair them with other pieces. Exactly. Exactly. I love that. So how does this... Uh, the the brand name it means extracting the essentials and you're talking about having the essentials in your closet they're your closet staples how does this notion play a role in your marketing strategy and in the message that you're uh, putting out there to consumers tell us a little bit about that well what i do from the beginning is like you know we take distilled and we talk about how, you know, it's, it's kind of like it's a guiding principle in everything that we do. We say, okay, basically we want to make sure that there's some sort of messaging and whether it's an email or it's a social ad or it's something organic where we're repeating. I mean, like if you really want to get something through to someone's head, you know, it's really the art of repetition. Like we really, we take, we give everyone some grounding and we're like, this is what distill extracting to the essentials. We really, then we go out and educate whether it's something, when I say educate, distill can also mean like when we're, you know, it's not just about, we can uh, involve that message in other things like we were doing like this past April when it was um, Earth Day, right? We right. were like, okay, how do we take this term instead of saying, oh, we made our shirts out of a million different plastic bottles that were reused 10 times over. And, and while I love that message, that's not core to distilled, right? So mm-hmm. how do we say that we're participating in World Earth Day? Well, we're going to take that and say, well, actually what we do is we use a lot less water when we're producing our denim. We actually, we work with factories that are in a five mile radius of one another. So we're not wasting gas and shipping products back and forth to different countries right we also ethically we look ethically look at all of our factories and make sure they have the right worker standards right so we're doing all the back end work and you know we, we took that message into earth day and we talked about educating people in our factories talked about how to wash jeans you know you can put them in the freezer yeah you know and that's really how you wash them how you reuse wow products. wait can we back up there for a minute <laughs> yeah what do you what do you mean put them in the freezer to wash them yeah, instead of washing jeans, you put them in the freezer and it kills the bacteria. Oh, really? Do? Wash and, and then you just let them defrost? They just just let them air dry? Yeah. And then just let them air dry. That's definitely the coolest thing yeah. I've heard of so, yeah. far, so far today. So, <laughs> All right, sorry, I digress. No, it, no, it's fine. It kills the bacteria on your jeans. They don't lose their form or their function. I mean, you really shouldn't wash your jeans that much. You don't need to. Yeah, I mean, that's you know? true. I, I don't. I mean, that's really what the jeans hardly ever. <laughs> well, of course, I'm not sitting there working with you, so I don't know. But putting them in the freezer does it kills the bacteria or any sort of smell you would have with them. So you know, we have all we basically to answer your question, like we took distilling down to those essentials and upgrading the quality, and we instill that and in ought whether it be we're dropping new product and we're telling you about the great quality standards of the factories that we're using. Or if we're wrapping that message into something that's culturally relevant, like Earth Day, you know, or right. something like that, we're using these different opportunities, you know, things that are coming up in our calendar and things that are coming up in global calendars in order to get that distilled notion out there so we can connect with people because you want to ground, 
you want to educate them, and then you want to connect. I mean, it really is about that engagement component. And so you're going to connect with them on different levels. Maybe it's more about the factories that's really going to connect with them and, you know, what type what we're using for our cashmere or it's something that's more about earth day or it's something, you know, there's going to be those different things where they feel a connection to your brand. Or, you know, we did something with an influencer called the quarter weekend um, a couple months ago where he essentially took distilled products and he wore them like the same four products for like a month. Okay. And he just changed them in and out and he did new outfits and he posted about it. And for him, he actually reached out to us that he wanted to take a more simplistic view on his life. And he wanted to, he wanted to see if it was okay. We, like he was, this wasn't even, this wasn't like a pay for play or anything. Like he was like, I want to take a more simplistic view on my life and see if I can, you know, make it through and have a wardrobe like this with only a couple of pieces. And we were like, yeah, go for it. We'll put it on our blog. He put it on his blog. We also put it on our social media. So, you know, it's also finding those different opportunities where you could take that message and integrate it so you can connect and then repeat and then use our different channels to kind of output that message on a consistent basis so people could see like we just had a post the other day with our buttons you know showing our um la distilled la buttons where you know you really see that they're more of a flat front and cooler type of button so again going back to those essentials quality you know those distinct attributes when you're distilling down to those really core pieces that you need we're able to educate repeat connect and ground people on a consistent basis do you think that, Laura, that messaging sort of is what resonates so much? Because Distilled has a really big celebrity following, right? Like they have a lot of people who, you know, Selena Gomez, Carrie Underwood, just a lot of good people who really are into the brand. Do you think it is that they're into that sort of function first? Or do you think that it's, is it just, is it looks? Is it is it form? Is it both? And how do you sort of cater that message for somebody like me, uh, an everyday person versus somebody like them who is living their best lives all the time. (laughs) Yeah. Well, good question. So, I mean, essentially what we do, I mean, even when we do the wear for the products, we do a lot of wear testing and we're thinking about even with jackets, when you raise your arms, what are you doing when you're doing crossing yourself? Like we do a lot of wear. We definitely pay a lot of attention to the function because if you don't have the function right, you're not going to wear it very long. You know, I mean, it's just a matter of time before you get rid of it. And that's really what's going to draw you back. You're like, oh, my God, that jacket, those jeans were amazing. They outlasted other pairs of jeans. So we really we think about that first. And I think like with the celebrities, we have like this amazing organic following. We have a good team, I think, also being based, you know, a lot of everything coming out of LA has helped us a lot. I mean, that's the home of many celebrities. And the team has had a lot of really great celebrity relationships, stylist relationships, where we've been able to get product out there. And, And they've worn it because we have these really cool essential pieces that are not like drowning in logos and they really serve right. a purpose you know they're there for a function and they serve a purpose so you know I, I think that like that's really what drives celebrities to it like i just need that amazing wool coat because it's right now it's like mid-season i i need some sort of jacket but i don't want to wear a parka i'm not ready for winter and we have that amazing long you know i want to look like I've, i'm warm i haven't totally ignored the fact that the seasons have changed but right, I don't right. jump into like something that's like this huge down coat. So I think that that has just been really great. We've been able to serve that niche and do it in a very cool way. I mean, I think that our whole approach has been really understated, cool, 
you know, going after those groups, whether it be artists or motorcycle people, like we've really found a way through the community to find people who appreciate our aesthetic and continue to communicate with them. And I think when yeah, people- Yeah, universal. Yeah, that like, right? you know, even you in your everyday life, you're going to see it. You're going to be like, oh my God, these are great. I love this ad, you know, and, and a celebrity is going to see, oh yeah, like I've totally seen this all over the place. Other people are wearing this too. So it ends up resonating, resonating at both points of the pyramid, high, medium, you know, mid and low. So that's what's been really great about the brand. Does that affect your marketing strategy for when you're coming up with new product ideas? Like you mentioned there, I'm not ready for a full-fledged park yet, but I need to accept the fact that it's that the seasons are changing. When you're oh, thinking totally. of new yeah. right, like yeah, new totally. products, what what does that look like? What does that strategy look like? Is there a focus group? Is there well, how does it come about? Yeah, Is it I mean, you? Yeah, that's good. Um what I can tell you what's amazing about direct to consumer and versus especially because I'm coming from a big um a big corporation. Let me just tell you the the timelines to produce product even though I know that they've been working on improving them like usually for the majority of companies it takes about a good 9 months to produce something from right. from sample proto blah 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 like all the different layers that you have that's 9 months. I mean as you in this day and age nine months is like nine years, right? Yeah, what's really it is. great. Yeah, totally. Like people have already forgotten, you know, like, so what's really great about direct consumer is that you could be so nimble, right? We take, when we, when we see that something is selling out, we have, we're totally also too, um, at distilled, we're vertically integrated, meaning that like we, we also, we have the fact we own the factories as well. So it's like, we have direct relationships with the factories where we can go out and produce more, right? We could produce less. We can, we see the ebbs and the flows of the business and we're like, oh, we can quickly split and make a change. And yes, we totally listen to, I, I think it's very interesting to see like, you know, when we send things out to influencers, like what they pick versus maybe what the employees are picking and then what customers are picking, you know, we're always looking like what I've noticed is like the people in our database are different than the people on our organic social, which I think is very interesting, you know, and we're, we're, we're working on ways to tie those together. So there's definitely, you know, those people that started with the brand, we're evolving them. We are evolving them through the evolution of what we're doing, but it's, I think that their, their profile is different than who we're getting organically. So how do we kind of connect those two, but also how do we provide products? So we're still sustaining the repeat because that's like your most valuable customer and attracting the new, you know, really, is it more of a creative solve at that point, more of a marketing right. solve versus a product assortment? Like those are the things that we're trying to solve at this point. But yeah, I mean, like it is, um, we definitely take, um, you know, we could do the focus groups, but I think we, we do ask a lot of our customers. We ask a lot of the people that are in our network and we're very open and receptive. And like I said, we're able to make changes very quickly, which in my previous, I have like over 20 years experience in retail, as you know, like that, that historically is not usually the way, you know, that's not the way it's been done for years and years prior, you know? I, and I think, you know, one of the benefits of operating a direct-to-consumer brand is you have that connection with consumers. You're mm-hmm. vertically integrated. You own all of the um, pieces or the steps in process, from right. yeah in the process from manufacturing all the way through to marketing and distribution. And I think um, generally when people hear direct-to-consumer gra- consumer brand, they typically tend to think of it as being a digitally native brand and they're operating right. only in a digital sense. But at Distilled, you guys have done some things that are 
that are on the channel, right? That extend beyond the digital um, space. So you've done some things like pop-ups and showrooms. I'm just curious, how how do you guys think about your marketing mix? Do you think about it in the digital sense primarily, or do you take a more omni-channel type of approach? That's a great question. question. Um, It's definitely an omni-channel approach. I mean, my short answer to you is there is no one channel that's going to make your brand on its own. You know, because what I can tell you right now, what I'm seeing in the digital universe, like the cost to acquire a customer digitally is just is rapidly increasing. Right. You have all of these different brands out there that are competing against each other. So just saying you're going to, yes, digitally native, you know, everyone thinks it's just digital and you definitely need to have a digital presence. But right. dig- digital to me is so encompassing. That could be social digital. That could be platform. That could be affiliates. That can be, you know what I mean? Th- that's yeah. a very broad statement. So to me, it's about how you weave these channels together strategically to make it make sense. I mean, I firmly believe in omnichannel because years ago, you know, with real estate, it was so costly to open a store you know, only certain brands could do it and you would have to sign these really long leases, right? Now the yep. world is changing and really like brick and mortar is becoming digital where people are just popping into stores. Warby Parker has stores, but no, like all these people have stores that never had stores before because they're seeing that it's actually cheaper than digital. And sometimes the customer many times can be more loyal and have more stickiness. Like I see it all the time now, like even when I'm looking at our on our website, when we're capturing customers, like they'll come, first time customers will come on, they get the 10% discount for relaying their email address. They go in, they order something, and then they remove themselves from the list, right? Right. So it's like, okay, now you just defeated the whole proposition. You're not even joining the mailing list. So one step up, you know, two steps back. Yep. Exactly. So, like, that's why I'm like, you know, and I also say to people, I was like, and it's digital is great, and there's a lot of lots of opportunities in it, but you know as well as I do, do you just shop on digital? Like, I mean, there no. are other places where you get opportunities to buy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 100%. But what, I, what you do keep saying, what I keep hearing you say, Laura, which, which resonates with me, is that you're looking for stickiness. It's not yeah. necessarily just about getting the new to file customer, you know, the first time buyer. It's about the buyer coming back over and over creating a high lifetime value, which obviously my mind goes to one place, but I wanted to ask you which channel in your mix just currently right now, do you put at top priority? Right now I could say for us, just for a medium and what we're producing, like definitely social, I still has a top priority for us. Um, Just because it, it does, Social is a is a big is a big piece. Then I would say brand search is another one, and then affiliates is another big channel for us. I would say right now, I mean, those are all digital. We are moving into, and we could talk about it now or later. We are going to move into brick and mortar. We're going to be part of Neighborhood Goods, which is a another um, direct consumer um, is a direct to consumer play. Basically, I don't know if you heard of it. They came out of Plano, Texas. They have a store there where they have like everything from Quip, you know, that digitally native brush to um, Reese Witherspoon's line. They have all these different other brands. They're going to open here in Chelsea Market in New York. So we're going to be with them in the fall. And then we will be at one point opening up other pop-ups. I would just say right now for us in terms of the business, like we still are focusing on digital right now as we're revving up because we're doing other things like, you know, fundraising for the larger proposition of digital brands group and some other things that are coming into play right now. Um, so hence why those, those are the top three channels for us right now. 
Very cool. And it obviously influencer too, right? Like you have a real strong presence when it oh, comes yes, to- Oh, yes. We have a very strong- and Yes, we have. I would say also too, like, I mean, Distilled is about the creative class. And I use the creative class very broadly because there's definitely like creators in all sorts of industries where either you're creative in that you love to make beautiful pillows or you're a creator because you're working on motorcycles or you're a creator because, you know, you're in another realm. I am, I really personally... I feel very bullish in going after highly engaged groups versus just going after a sector. And what do I mean by that? Like most brands like just go after like just fashion. Like let me just go after Amy Song and Sincerely Jewels right. and just fashion people. And those are awesome people. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Something Navy, right? But you've also got to go after like right. these other people that have these engaged, really engaged communities where they're, where there's conversations going back and forth and they're really talking about things because that's where they're also really paying attention you know? Um, and I think it's all, right. you know, you've got to, rather than just like spraying and praying, you've got to go after some of these smaller groups that all together are going to give you this cluster of noise that's going to drive more of your engagement. Yeah. That's where I see affiliates sit really well. And it, with yeah. influencer marketing as well. Yes. So Laura, earlier, one of the things you mentioned um, in, when we were talking about Omnichannel was that sometimes um, acquiring customers offline might even be cheaper than it is in acquiring customers online, particularly because there's the ever-present rising costs of digital. Yeah. And I'm just curious from your perspective, where have you seen those rising costs play out channel-wise? Um, I see it like, I mean, like, obviously, like, it's, it's well, one, in branded search, you can have, um, and there's a lot of rising costs because people are just bidding against your you know, especially right. if you're, you're being carried somewhere else or say people are selling your, your used jeans other places. Now you've got like, you're bidding, you're bidding on your own terms, right? Um, yeah. I also would say like definitely in in the Facebook world, those costs are, are only rising, you know, because, you know, now you want to go after the quality, you know, you could go after the low, I mean, you guys, you both know this, you could go after the, the people that don't cost you a lot of money, the one, the 2% lookalikes that are like really close to those that are already transacting with your brand, but that's only going to take you so far. You know, so then you've got right. to up your game and pay a little bit more, but then you've got to be like, okay, well, how much am I willing to pay? And then what's the long tail on that? Right. Because, you know, a lot of times people, you know, get pressure. Well, we didn't see the ROI the next day. It's like, well, hold on. Like you've got to create a relationship. These people don't know you from anywhere. You know what I mean? You've got to be willing to invest, you know, on a, on a oh, yeah. regular cadence. It can't just be a one and done because right, you got to court them. Yeah. You got to court them. <laughs> I think what they say digitally is it takes seven times, you know, previously used to be three magazine inserts. It takes whatever you've got to like, it got to start somewhere. So there's definitely an investment you have to put in there. So I definitely see in the social world that those costs are just getting higher. And, you know, you could see like all of a sudden all of these digital native brands are doing wall postings, you know, outside in the city and they're doing billboards and other things are popping up that, you know, marketers before were like, this is dead. It's over. It's over. It's over. And it's like, I guess it's not, you know, because you're finding that it's expensive to be out there in those other places, you know? Oh, it's totally expensive. And you, it's an interesting point you just made before about you got to get people to kind of court them. You got to get them to know you a little bit. And I see through my own lens, I see the affiliate channel is kind of being a huge awareness driver for that. Do you agree with that? Do you see that as well? Yes. Affiliate has, um, Pepper Jam has, has really done a good job with us in that not only have you guys guided us in terms of what would be, you know, affiliate can be 
over-encompassing, right? You know, um, yeah. there's so many different options, right? So there really is. There really is. So it just depends on where you want to go as a brand, which has been really great. Your team has really helped us kind of siphon in on what the right partners are for us, not forcing it saying, here, here's a list of like who we think would be right. And then we go in and we're looking at, okay, like what would be the right contract terms, but it's been amazing for us with you guys. Cause we've gotten some really great exposure, like on people.com, um, you know, in nice. major publications where we would have never had any sort of visibility before. I mean, the circulation on there alone is so much larger than anything that we do on a regular basis. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, it's really been a nice output. Um, Pepper Jam and affiliates have really provided for us in giving a small brand like distilled the amount of visibility that we never would have garnered on our own. That's cool. We're super passionate about affiliate, right? Like it's just, it's all about creating those relationships. And you mentioned content publishers, which in our opinion is, is pretty much that's where it's at. That's for a brand like distilled. That is where you, where you want to be. Yeah. Is there anything with, when, is there anything with the affiliate channel that has surprised you? Like, did you have any preconceived notions or thoughts about the channel before you actually spent time in it? That's a good one. Sometimes, um, to be totally transparent, um, I, you know, in my previous life, I would get a little hesitant with affiliates because I would be worried. I was worried that I was hitting the same customers hmm. to be told, you know, over it, like over. <laughs> over and over again or customers I already had. Right. But what mm-hmm. I've, what I've noticed with you all, and as we've done more analytics on what we've gotten is I've noticed that through affiliates, we've actually gotten new groups and the people have stayed with us for that journey. Like, A, I was worried we weren't, I I learned that we actually were getting to new people that we weren't getting to before, which was great. And they weren't a one and done. We did have some consistency with them too, which is amazing. So, you know, we we got stickiness. They got over that first boundary. They got introduced to the brand. The affiliates provided the adjacencies or the validation that that person needed in order to go to jump through that hurdle. You know what I mean? Like, you guys, oh, yeah. lost, whether it's an influencer partnership or it's a something that's like a content publisher, as we mentioned, it gave that third party validation and then they were able to be introduced to the brand and they've stayed, which has been great. You know, it's not uncommon for us or for me in particular to hear that from marketing executives uh, who just didn't have experience or didn't have necessarily the subject matter expertise in this particular channel. And so when they actually spend the time within it and they spend the time looking at the data, they find that affiliate is, you know, a solid driver of new customer acquisition and can help in uh, retaining some of those existing customers on behalf of brand. So the point is you're not alone. You know, it's often that I hear that and it's always um, refreshing to hear CMOs like yourself just actually speak to the the viability and, and the value that this channel can truly provide. Yeah, I definitely want to say that I felt the need to be transparent because I mean, that is definitely, and I'm sure you guys hear it all the time. It's, it's a big hurdle. You know what I mean? Like as sure. marketers, you're worried that someone that you're that a partner with affiliate and it's taking someone that I've already had and they're now getting, you know what I mean? They're incentivized in a different way. Right. And then it's like, how am I, am I changing the mix? Am I changing? What am I doing? Uh, what's happening with my current people? And then, you know, like, again, I, I, you know, kudos to your team. They've been really helpful in identifying the right proper partnerships for us and hitting those right groups that 
and I have to say like affiliates really is turnkey for a small brand because you're, if you don't have those affiliate partnerships and you don't have those, that validation from others and that expansion of your universe, you're not going to grow as fast. Right. So that's, what's been really good for us in terms of the amount of people that have now are aware of distilled and they, they feel like they've crossed the threshold and they have, you know, they like the brand and they're going to stay. And like, it's just been really right. good. I mean, yeah, I could definitely say like, you know, for, again, for my previous life, I mean, that was always something that I was thinking about was like, Oh, am I hitting my current customers? And now like they're going to change and no, actually, if you, you know, we're much more scientific and who we're picking and what type of partnerships and it's really worked yeah. in our favor. And I think we're sensitive to that too. I think we recognize that that's sure. definitely a concern and it is valid in a lot of ways too, but I, and it's fun a little bit to, to be able to prove otherwise yeah. right? to show that there is here, you know, he thought that that was going to be, and, and now it's not. Do you have any marketing predictions for the future distilled? Or um, exciting projects so, yeah, okay. or something coming up? Some, some stuff that we have coming up in the future, which is really amazing. Um, we are doing a collaboration with the SLU Moo Institute. So if you want to know what your your slime name is, um, like R-O-B, Moo-Roo, you replace the vowels with O's, um, and that's your slime name. So we are doing, there's going to be a slime exhibition, and just for- like, I can't do that in my head. <laughs> it's not terrible. I have to write call it down. Me, just call me Moo-Roo the Guru. Moo-Roo the Guru. Hey, that's, that's a new podcast for you, right? Um, yeah. yeah, so basically, for lack of a better word, it's kind of like it's a cooler museum, and I, I'm using this because we're involved with a cooler museum of ice cream where high-end artists have come in and created different exhibitions, and they're using slime. Like, you walk in, and there's a slime wall. You can slime. You're also, I mean, remember Nickelodeon where you, you yeah, get on top yeah. and you got slimed? You get slimed in this thing. Okay. Like, you had to say, I don't know. That was the, that was <laughs> the trigger. Exactly, exactly. So you can get slimed. You can make your, there's a DIY bar where you make your own slime. There is a place where you walk on. It's also ASMR. So it's like a t sensory um, type of experience where you walk with bare feet on slime and you feel that. So oh my super, <laughs> it's super exciting. We were making the denim jumpsuits for the Slumu Institute. And it's going to be a nice chance for us to kind of jump out of distilled for a minute, which is more of like a fundamental color palette into the yeah. world of color. And we're going to have hot pink, yellow, um, mint green, and really, really- That's bright. super fun. Yeah. Some fun jumpsuits and patches just to show like, you know, we appreciate creativity in all sorts of forms and all sorts of different types of groups. And, um, you know, this is just a really nice chance for us to provide some color there and to show us in a different way. And, you know, there's a percentage of the proceeds that go towards um, mental health with Slumu. So we're also really proud to affiliate with them. The fact that like 50 cents of every, I think it's a $37 ticket goes towards mental health, which is great. That is great. And it's really cool too, that a smaller, a smaller sort of more emerging brand can have a little bit of creative freedom like that to step away mm -hmm. and do something that's new and who knows what can come of it and give back at the same and time. Give back. Yeah, yeah totally. That's totally. Cool. Yeah. Well, Laura, where can people find distilled? Where can we find your brand? So you can find distilled. We're on distilled.com, which is dstld.com. We're also on Instagram and we are part of the Instagram shopping beta. Um, that will go into play in the next couple of weeks. So right now, if you click on a shoppable link, you'll go into our website, but you know, probably after a month, it'll just, you'll be able to transact directly out of Instagram. And also as of October Very 1st, cool. we'll be, yeah, totally. I'm excited to see how that works out. 
um, will be a part of Neighborhood Goods um, in Plano, Texas. And we're, that'll be a first brick and mortar type of experience that we've had in some time. We had a shop a couple years ago in Soho. So this will be a new iteration for us being in Plano. And we'll also have all of our new outerwear there. We have this beautiful outerwear, a leather puffer, a shearling hood, reversible hoodie. A we have really, puffer. Yes, we have some really, for three ninety five. we have, because we're direct to consumer, wow. we can really give those really great prices on product and not compromise the quality. That's cool. I'm hung up on leather puffer, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. So pep talks listeners, like Laura said, you could visit the distilled brand at dstld.com or visit them on Instagram where you'll be able to directly shop right through the platform. So now for the fun part, this is usually our, uh, our interviewee's favorite part, Laura. We're going to do a lightning round rapid fire question session. So are you ready? I'm always ready. I was born ready. There's no way to prepare for this. Okay. Born ready. Okay, okay, I'll start. What was the last song that you listened to? Um, Smashing Pumpkins, 1979. Okay. What, what is your favorite saying or quote? Uh, marketing is the power of perception. Uh, who would you want to have dinner with most, dead or alive? Um, Ray Charles. Who do you admire? Uh, my mother. Dream vacation destination. Um, Morocco. Favorite digital marketing channel. Affiliates. Right, right answer. <laughs> Last but not least, what is your favorite cocktail? Um, a dry, straight up Tito's martini. We are living the Classic. same life, you and me, Awesome. <laughs> All right, great. I think that just about does it. Yeah, Laura, thank you so much for joining us on Pep Talks. For those who tuned in, uh, feel free to subscribe to the Pep Talks podcast. You could get notifications about our upcoming episodes and latest episode drops. Thank you so much for uh, Laura from Distilled joining us today. And we look forward to catching up with our listeners on the next episode. We just spoke with distilled CMO, Laura Dowling, about the critical role affiliate marketing plays in D2C brands' ability to get their brand's name and general awareness out there, as well as ways that a startup can tackle classic pitfalls of setting up processes that work while making the most of everyone's time. You can check out the full podcast plus many more by visiting us at pepperjam.com slash podcasts.